Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washed as taking you through the month of April. Over a week now removed from spring football for Nebraska, recruiting in full swing. And I think that's the question. Like, what's going on now, Robin? Like, what are these guys doing? What are the coaches doing? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of questions. You know, what's next and what's happening uh, with college football everywhere around the country. And um, there's a few things. April 15th, the spring evaluation period started. Um, it was Good Friday when it launched. Um, so nobody went out on Friday uh, for Nebraska, but they started to go out on Monday. And coaches are allowed to go out all the way until May 31st. You're allowed to have 10 of your coaches out um, for 168 total days. So if you divide it up in math, 16.8 days per coach. Um, and it doesn't work out like that because you know someone like Mark Whipple is not going to go out 17 days on the road. He might only go out eight or six, you know, depending on his positional and area needs. Um, so you might then give Mickey Joseph more days here and there. But essentially, your your top coaches are going to be out 20-ish days from now until May 31st, three to four days per week of recruiting. And this is big in a lot of ways because this hasn't happened since 2019. I mean, spring recruiting has been dead since COVID. And this is the first spring Nebraska has been out. And we saw the coaches really get in their cars and get – a lot of regional, local places this week, Robin. They were down in Kansas City, obviously Omaha, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, Ainsworth, Nebraska, Lincoln. Um, you know, getting around uh, the regional areas. Eric Chenander was in Iowa. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of what's going on right now, at least from the coaching standpoint and what they're spending their time on. Well, I know the other question too is not just uh, you know the the active recruiting and trying to find future prospects, but what's currently going on. Uh, with the returning roster. Uh, I know that you wrote earlier this week that um, some of those one-on-one individual meetings with the coaching staff uh, and players uh, started to go down last week. And um, as of Monday, there had not been uh, any news of as possible uh, roster attrition or, or transfer departures. Uh, what, what, what do you kind of think is the, the time frame on that when should people start expecting maybe a little bit of movement as far as outgoing departures um you know the the, the real deadline is may 1st um so for an athlete that wants to go into the transfer portal and play next year without sitting out they've got to be in the transfer portal may 1st unless you're a graduate transfer so a graduate transfer might graduate in may they could graduate even in august um but then they could still potentially come after May 1. Um, but the true portal guys, the one-time transfer rule guys, they have to be in that portal by May 1. And so we're slowly, um, you know, getting things caught up, um, you know, with uh, things on the transfer portal front and, and, and where it's at. You know, there was no movement, at least here as of taping time Wednesday, um, with scholarship guys. Um, which is kind of a surprise. I mean, Nebraska is essentially at 85 guys on scholarship right now. I know there's, we I think we have them at 87, um, but you know it's really about 85 because um, there's a couple things on there I think that will take care of itself. So they're at a point with portal additions where it's one man in, one man out. You know they can't take anybody else for next year unless another guy in this roster leaves. Mm -hmm. So we're waiting on departures. And you also pointed out too some of the slow movement as far as identifying potential transfer targets is the fact that a lot of people's their school springs aren't even over yet. That this weekend is going to be a big kind of uh, point on the calendar to where uh, maybe that portal starts to add 
a lot more notable names to it. I think that you wrote there's 72 spring games scheduled for this weekend that still need to happen. So um, after that, those all go down, and then those individual meetings happen. Uh, we're probably looking at what, maybe another week or two before there's some serious movement as far as uh, you know the the meat of the spring transfer portal. Yeah, I think next week it's going to really start to turn. I mean, once you start getting into the deep 20s of April, I mean, that's that's when it's going to have to happen. And, you know, I don't think anyone really knows what to expect, but this May 1st deadline, I think, simplifies it a little bit more. Like, you're not going to be kind of caught off guard. Like, this is May 1, and this is what's available. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to know, and I do like that rule because, um, and I, they did it for this reason. They didn't want it to drag into the summer. Let's say you got a guy hurt in June or July and all of a sudden oh man we need a tight end let's go steal North Dakota State's tight end now Um, I think that's what they wanted to prevent they didn't want the portal to be a true live in-season waiver wire so it it will shut itself down at least for immediate eligibility um, as a one-time transfer on May 1 which I do think is a good rule the NCAA put in place. So I guess another reason why Nebraska is so far ahead of everybody else is because they had to play their spring game earlier, and a big part of that was the turf. Um, And I know that uh, as of last week, they had already started the installation, I think on Thursday, I believe. They had already had 15 yards of turf put in, so I would imagine that they're they're done with that. Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, they started taking it out, and we, we left the stadium pretty early after the spring game, but... They started removing it Saturday night mm-hmm. after the spring game ended, and it's going to be all one color. And Trev Albert said this on his radio show um, that Abby covered for us this week that the, the turf itself had been faded. And oh yeah, it was uh, glaring. I mean, how, like pink the letters were. It was terrible. Yeah, it was like they uh, had a yeah the one the, the way the sun hits in there. I mean, there's no tree cover obviously, yeah. so it it really takes a pretty good sun beating in there. And nine years. I mean, that that was a long time. Um, and you know they talked about grass at one point too, and I think the cost to maintain yeah. grass would just be a, a bud now a new budgetary line that they they just wouldn't want to take on. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of work to put in, and as we've seen going to places like uh, West Lafayette and Evanston, you can have really nice fields and you can have awful fields There's four grass depending fields. on how the weather works. West Lafayette, Evanston, Michigan State, and Penn State. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you you got ten. Of the 14. I mean, even tradition places like Ohio State and Michigan are field turf. And by November, usually those things are looking pretty rough, too, especially some of the in, in like more winter seasonable. Falls. And I know North Northwestern's grass that one year was awful. Yes. I still think the worst grass I ever saw Nebraska play on, hands down, was the 2006 Big 12 championship game in Ooh. Kansas City. That was basically ice. And they, yeah, it was colder <laughs> than cold. And the Chiefs were still playing, and they had that game in there. And and I, I want to say I don't even know the Chiefs might have played the next day, if not. It was, but the the field was terrible. It was like cement. Yes, I remember walking on there after the game, and literally it was like walking on concrete. Like, it was grass. Yes, and the guys were slipping all over the place. It was it was terrible. So that's kind of the the con the, the con of having grass. Obviously, there's a lot of benefits to it uh, when it's done right, but you know there's a lot of variables that go into that. And I know Trev also talked about just the, the stadium expansion project. People always ask about that, uh, about where it is, you know, how far along is the construction going? Um, I mean, the, the bones are pretty much going up right now, right? Like they got the foundation laid and you're starting to see some, some metal stick out of the ground and it's starting to look like an actual building now, right? Yeah. They've got it up and rolling. And by this time next year, I mean, they're going to be really close to being moved in. I mean, I think by June or July is when they'll be moved in um, you know, they did say it's going to cost more money, and I don't think anybody should be surprised. No, everything costs um, more money it, with the way the world is um, right now, and it, it makes you kick yourself if they could have just started this thing when they were going to mm. start it originally. Um, I, the, the press conference when Wandell Robinson was a part of it, um, <laughs> the future <laughs> um, announcing the <laughs> facility, uh, but how much money they could have saved. Um, but I get it. With COVID, they had to freeze things because yep. they didn't know. But come on, they knew. I mean, they were short on money, though. They had to keep, you know, and they weren't going to be able to go out and raise money. But if they were able to get that thing started in the, you know. The, yeah, when they wanted to. Like, they how much work they could have gotten done in that long COVID period. 
Absolutely. When no one was around on campus, like it was the ideal time to do something like that. And the politics of it just wouldn't allow it. I mean, you know, just the way the world was and and the university budgets and, and, you know, even having people working closely together at that time was frowned upon. But yeah, so it's a year behind of what they originally had planned, uh, but in good shape. And, you know, one other thing, Robin, I want to talk about with you is the Big Ten announced some new championship sites. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nothing changes with football. They're going to be in Indianapolis. That's that's their deal. Through 24. But um, the big one is Minneapolis. They're going to have the women's tournament there next year. And yeah. then the men's tournament and the women's tournament will be there for the 2024 season's tournament. Yep, at the Target Center. So the, it's in the men's tournament is in Chicago this coming season. And then in the 23-24 season, that's going to move to, to Minneapolis. And the women is going to be there for the next two years. So uh, a you know, I mean, I guess you know, some people I saw, like some Indiana writers were all huffy about them moving it out of Indianapolis or even Chicago. But like they did it in D.C. They did it in New York City. Like, who cares? Did Just, you go to D.C.? No, I went to New York City. OK, <laughs> I did not go to D.C. I think Nebraska was bounced in the first round as as per usual. That would have been cool to be in D.C. Um, that one year. But yeah, I'm just I'm always interested where they want to take this thing and where they want to play it. Well, I know that there had been talk like Omaha Omaha has been trying to push to get a basketball championship and they're set up for it. They've hosted NCAA tournaments, like big, like quarterfinal NCAA tournament rounds. And they're more than capable. They have the, they have the setup to do it. I just think of the, the pushback from the rest of the league of fans having to travel to Nebraska. Whereas well, and why it, not make Nebraska have to travel everywhere and make it convenient and for everybody else. Okay. Let's say they had, had the women's tournament there. It would be a massive advantage for Nebraska to yeah, have the no women's tournament in Omaha. They do it for volleyball. I mean, you know. Well, there's no tournament for or for what they do it for baseball. Then baseball, yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Well, and, and Nebraska NCAA did volleyball. Um, that's what it was. Yeah, the Big Ten doesn't do a volleyball tournament. Um, nobody really does. But yeah, with baseball, um, it it hasn't been a big factor though with Nebraska having it because they haven't played a Big Ten tournament in a few years. Right. Right. So I guess you know. Long story short, I think that that should be something that. Hopefully happens. Um, you know, I think again, Omaha is an event town. Uh, it would be a fantastic event. The turnout would be amazing. And you know, I gotta wonder compared to like especially these big metropolitan cities. Like I went to the one in New York, and the attendance was terrible. Like you didn't even know a conference tournament was happening in that. Like it was cool to like have it on TV in the garden, but when there was like you know two thousand people in the stands, it didn't quite have the same vibe they were looking for. Now it did fill in toward the later rounds, but those first few days of the tournament were dead. Yeah, I just don't know the status of that for Omaha. I mean, the Omaha Sports Commission, um, you know, has undergone some changes. They lost the swim trials. Those are the people that present and do all that stuff. And that group is not near as aggressive as maybe they were a few years ago. And losing that swim trials thing was huge for Omaha. Um, and and they kind of created the monster itself. So I just don't see Omaha getting even the women's tournament. I'd be really – but who knows? I mean, it, it could happen. Uh, money talks, and if, if Omaha puts together a good bid, zero chance, Robin, on the men's. No way. Yeah, I no, mean, not, not not anytime soon, at least. I mean, maybe if Nebraska got really good, then they might consider it, but as as of now, there's there's zero benefit for the Big Ten to have it there. That's all All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk some NFL draft. Um, it's coming up, and Robin and I are going to give some thoughts on what we've seen and heard on that and more, you're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. This is huskeronline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, this segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic. It's coming up around the corner Dublin, Ireland, August 27th. The first college football game of the season will kick off with Nebraska and Northwestern. Still time to get your trip planned. Uh, visit the website, huskers2ireland.com, as you can get your packages lined up, whether it's a one-city, two-city, three-city. 
they've got lots of different options that include all your accommodations, your game ticket, uh, transportation to things. And then you can also kind of schedule your, uh, your flights as well and um, make sure you line that up there on their website. So uh, now is the time. There's still plenty of time and still plenty of uh, reasonable airfare um, through all the carriers, including Aer Lingus, uh, to get out to Dublin for this game. Uh, I was talking, uh, we, were ha- we had an event, Robin, in Fremont this week, and I was talking to Teddy Prochaska and his family, and they got all their trip ready to go, and they're starting to line up uh, things that they're going to do out there, et cetera. And that, that's really where we're at right now. I mean, you really want to start figuring out what you're going to do on this trip and where you're going to go. Yeah, it seems like once like you take that step and you'll go all in and book the trip, that's when the excitement really starts to build because then you start looking at things to do, restaurants to go to, pubs to go to, sites to see, all that sort of stuff. So uh, it only gets more exciting once you take that first what step. What was that 90s bar we were told about this week on the, <laughs> on the Red Sea Scrolls? It is literally a club devoted to like a, a 90s American theme where everybody wears neon hey. and... We'd fit right uh, in as Nebraskans. Yeah. We could just wear the 90s championship gear in there. Yeah, I mean, just strolling there with jean shorts and, you know, Tommy Fraser jerseys. You look just, you look the part. All right. Well, get on the Huskers2Ireland.com. Robin, another thing coming up is the draft uh, next weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We'll talk more about it um, in some ways, um, but, you know, this is a real chance to preview things heading into the weekend of next week. Uh, for the draft, you have Cam Jurgens, you have Cam Taylor Britt, Jojo Dolman, Austin Allen, Samore Torre, Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, Deontay Williams. Um, I mean, you got a pretty good group of not only just draft picks, but probably some guys that will get some decent undrafted free agent opportunities as well. Yeah. So of that group, there's a website that I stumbled upon. It's called NFL Mock Draft Database, and what it does is it compiles all of the major uh, NFL mock drafts and averages it out per player. And so you can go and search it by school. So you look at Nebraska's draft pool, um, according to their data, there are three surefire draft picks with um, just based off ranking, Cam Taylor Britt being number one, Cam Jurgens being right behind him at number two, and JoJo being right behind that at number three. All three of those guys are projected to go within the first four rounds. They have Cam Taylor Britt as a third rounder, and Jurgens and Doman as fourth rounders. Then the last draft pick they have is Samari Torre, who gets in um, at the in the seventh round at the back end. So of he's the, the draft. fourth guy. Yes, and so they have, according to their data, uh, Austin Allen, Damian Daniels, Ben Stilley, all in that undrafted free agent range. And obviously that can fluctuate. And again, this is just compiling data from uh, a lot of different mocks out there, but kind of gives you a picture of kind of where the the national perception is of, of some of these draft picks. And what's also interesting is they, uh, you know, do it by ranking. So they have Cam Taylor Britt as 97th. He's their only top 100 prospect, but Cam Jurgens is at 113. But, you know, again, what we've been hearing is that might be flip-flop there to where Cam uh, could certainly be the first Husker drafted, maybe as early as the, um, you know, second or third round. Uh, and then JoJo is right behind there. So it goes 97 for Cam Taylor Britt, 113 Cam Jurgens. 132 Jojo Doman. Then there's a pretty significant drop after that with Torre, uh, who's at 229. Then it's Austin Allen, 333. Then Daniels at 535. Ben Stilley at 587. Like Daniels, Stilley, and even Deontay, I, I think those guys have a pretty good chance to get an undrafted deal, not not just a mini camp invite. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure, like a guy like Daniels, I mean, he, people, NFL people were looking at him even last year. They just, Weren't, I don't know if he's ready yet, and that's why people question that decision uh, to go into the draft now as opposed to playing another season. But he clearly has NFL potential, and maybe coming in as an undrafted player will will get him there maybe a little bit longer route than, than sticking with Nebraska. Yeah, there's really four guys up front that should still be at Nebraska that aren't here. Uh, Damian Daniels, DeAndre Thomas, Jordan Riley, who essentially has to you know graduate – to be a grad transfer, and then Oregon's got to have a program that Nebraska wouldn't have to be an immediately eligible grad transfer. So it's not a slam slam dunk. He's out at Oregon yet, um, and then Feldarius Payne. Mm-hmm. I mean, four guys right there um, on the defensive front that you know could be back that aren't back. And yeah, so that, that's, that's a group that was probably one of the biggest question marks this spring, just with the lack of depth they had. They could only play seven guys this spring. I mean, because of injuries and you know departures and whatnot. So. Those defections and those decisions really put Nebraska in a bad spot this spring. Because you can't just find 
adequate replacements always in the portal. And mm-hmm. If there are adequate replacements, everybody wants them. Yeah, and the guys that are good enough, they're going to have everybody in the country looking at them, and then the rest of them are probably in the portal for a reason. So you got to worry about all that stuff with baggage or um, you know, whatever their level of talent may actually be. So the draft is Thursday, first round, yes. Friday, second, third. Yeah, so Thursday night and then Friday night and then – Saturday afternoon is rounds five through seven. And then those undrafted free agent guys will start to get – they'll get picked and signed on Saturday night. Yeah, usually that starts happening minutes after the draft ends. I think right after the – like the calls start, but then you start hearing the news about it within, you know, the next hour or two after the draft ends. So with a guy, you know, especially like you look at the the, their projections, like the back end, like the Austin Allens or Torres or whoever it is that doesn't make it into that that late back end of the draft – those guys are going to get picked up quickly because, you know, I think there's no doubt that they're NFL capable players, but the matter is, can they work into that draft pick range? And again, too, there's always the, you know, if you're one of those like preferred undrafted free agents, like you can pick where you get to go. You know, your, your agent and uh, yourself can go through and look what the best possible path is to, to getting yourself a, a spot on a roster might be. And so you almost have a little bit more control over your situation and, and your destiny if you are not drafted. Whereas if you're picked, uh, you know, with the, um, you know, the the last few picks of the draft, you know, you're, you're put in a spot where you might very easily be a casualty uh, as just a fill-in player. Well, the biggest thing, too, why you want to get drafted is the signing bonus. I mean, even if you're seventh round versus undrafted, Right, you get a significant amount of guaranteed signing bonus. Not a significant, but a, a good amount that you would not have. You you know you might only get ten thousand, five thousand, twenty five thousand undrafted. You could get a hundred thousand as a seventh round guy. Right, so that's the trade off. I mean, obviously, there's the financial part of it, which being drafted obviously plays a big part of that. But again, you know, if you want to look long term, big picture, uh, again, sometimes being able to find the best possible situation for you where there's a team that you know clearly likes you and you look at what they have on their roster and what your path is to potentially playing uh you know i think that that there's a lot of advantages going that route as well all right lots more to talk about we're gonna talk some basketball though there's a lot of recruiting and movement going on there and robin's going to give us his thoughts on that and more next you're listening to the husker online show when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. I said we were going to talk basketball, Robin, and I apologize. Uh, we got to change things up because that's how it happens, breaking news. And this one's a shock to me, man. Yep. I, I am really surprised by this. But on Wednesday afternoon, around 3.30, uh, Casey Thompson, not, not Casey Thompson, Casey Rogers, <laughs> um, goes in the transfer portal for Nebraska. Nebraska's defensive end. Um, who really was slated to play a lot of football, be a starter. And I'm just trying to grasp that and get an understanding of what he's thinking there. Um, you know, one of my thoughts might be Garrett Nelson. I mean, they've kind of converted him into a defensive end um, with Ty Robinson mm-hmm. out there um, in the middle. And, you know, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't quite understand this. Maybe a transfer portal guy like Ochon Mathis coming in um, taking away his snaps. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts on this one, Robin, but bottom line is Casey Rogers in the transfer portal. That's the another guy, and we just talked about guys in Nebraska's loss that could be back here. Well, here's another one. Yeah, and he's right up there uh, as one of the most important departures uh, they've had yet, just considering what the defensive line was with already a shortage of numbers and – real concerns about the depth there. Now you lose one of your most important pieces, uh, a guy that could push for a starting job. And if not, was going to be the top piece uh, to your rotation um, when you look at just how they were going to play snaps on game day. So, yeah, I mean, you got to wonder, you know, the fact that he didn't practice this spring, um, you know, there's a lot of idle time. And sometimes you talk to people and get some, suggestions and uh voices in, in your ear that uh, maybe lead you one way that you weren't even thinking and that that 
maybe happened or maybe like you said he saw kind of some writing on the wall there where uh, Nebraska had some some other options pop up uh, at defensive end and maybe he he thought that his snaps weren't going to be what he thought they would be either way a significant blow to one of the biggest question marks already on Nebraska yeah roster. I mean this this is uh, a shocker and, and you know he could still come back to Nebraska but yeah I need to learn more and kind of get a better understanding on I mean it's it's fresh it's like we just got this information that it happened and um, so yeah it's you know for Mike Dawson you know that this is a guy that you're probably going to count on for 40 snaps a game or and maybe that wasn't the case maybe his snaps were not going to be as significant I I don't know um, you know Casey Rogers didn't really have much of a season last year yeah well here's another component too is uh, you know, he was one of the more vocal guys uh, on that def- defensive line to where, you know, last season when times were getting tough, he was one of the few guys that was coming up and, and talking at the podium on Monday. And that might not seem like a big deal, but it kind of shows just the level of clout he had in that room to be one of the voices of the team and during their weekly press conferences. And so, I mean, I, I, that's another element too, is you're leading or you're le- losing a guy that was obviously an extremely talented football player that was going to have a high profile role on your defensive line, but you're also losing a big voice in that room that, um, you know, that that's almost just as hard to replace as it is with just pure talent. You're listening here to the Husker online show, and it now makes the transfer portal for Nebraska that much more important as far as what they need to get. And, um, we'll know more after May one, who's all in there, but they're going to have to get guys period. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge hole. So and multiple guys. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on Casey Rogers. Robin, still some time here. I wanted to give you a few minutes on basketball as well. Um, yeah, we'll do the uh, we'll do the quick brush uh, recap here. So obviously, uh, the Monday Tuesday they had another transfer official visitor in with Juwan Gary, a six six ish uh, forward from Alabama. Uh, you know, started you know significant amount of last season for him. Uh, he's a guy that doesn't jump off the page with his stats. Um, you know, kind of modest numbers didn't shoot really well at all from three-point range of the free throw line but he's one of those kind of intangible type players that makes winning plays um he's an aggressive player rim protector physical strong uh just kind of junkyard dog type guy that you know nebraska hasn't had very many of those players they have had a lot of guys that are more offensive oriented that are worried about getting their touches and their shots and i don't think that's the case with him at all um and would be a an interesting piece when you especially look at maybe the the new shape that Fred Hoiberg's trying to take with this roster where it's not all about just uh, who's the top scorer in the transfer portal. It's what players can we bring in to complement what we already have and build a complete team that can be competitive in the Big Ten. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and Fred Hoiberg, Robin, will be going out more. And you've you've been around him, obviously, this whole time here. I mean, this is by far, like, the most he's taken on recruiting. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the thing when he got hired was you know, he didn't I don't, it's not like he didn't want to recruit, like didn't like recruiting. He just, he'd rather not. And so that's why Matt Abdelmasi was his very first hire, basically joined him as he was hired here. Uh, and he had never coached a day without Matt on his staff. Um, and that's a big reason why. So um, he's having to take a lot more on. And I think it's something that needed to happen. Um, if you want to build a program uh, with your vision, you better have a pretty good uh, hands-on uh, part in the evaluation process to where you're just as informed about what players you're pursuing uh, as everybody else. So, you know, it's a full staff effort now. All three assistants are very active on the recruiting front, going out and seeing guys. They're going to be out this weekend, uh, big evaluation period. Fred's going to be several places um, identifying some some top prospects, both uh, with the 22 portal guys and with uh, some 23 recruits that they've, they're very uh, involved with at the moment. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we put a wrap on basketball. And Robin, still no update on some of these guys that have decisions about coming back. Yeah, nothing official yet, um, but I've put this um, on the message board several times uh, and said it even more that Latin man's gone. Uh, he's going to go play professionally uh, in Australia. I, just, I think that's just a matter of time before that it comes official. And obviously they're recruiting a forward right now in Jawan Gary, who would fill in that spot. So uh, I think that's inevitable. With Trey McGowan's every day that goes by without him announcing a decision, is less and less likely that he comes back to Nebraska. Um, Nebraska needed to know what he was going to do because they have to plan their offseason and whether or not they're going to have another scholarship to fill. Uh, and so, you know, again, 
I don't think there's been an official decision made, but I think Nebraska is starting to kind of prepare itself to move forward as if Trey McGowan's will not be back next season. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Time for the mailbag. It's bringing in Husker Online's Abby Barmore. Abby, you're going to Grand Island this week, right? Yes, I am. The GI. The big town of Grand Island, Nebraska. <laughs> Hit up the, uh, God, what's the, they used to have one in Lincoln, the um, the, the Texas T-Bone Steakhouse. Ooh. That's a good Grand Island spot. What do they do? There besides, I mean, obviously besides steak. It's, it's do like. They have, do you have any gimmicks? Like no. good rolls or peanuts on the floor or anything like that? I mean, it, I'm not going if there's they not tried, peanuts. Well, they tried <laughs> to like launch one of them in Lincoln and um, it was where um, they put that rocket car wash on 70th and O. They like sold their oh, land out, but. Yeah. Texas T-Bone. I've never been, and oh, okay. I need to go. I'm I'm actually going to Grand Island in May with a group of about 10 other guys, and we're going to go to the, the horse races on a Friday. Oh, boy. <laughs> you be careful. So it's going to be a, a wild, <laughs> wild weekend in GI, and I'm sure Abby's going to have a wild weekend up there herself. But what, what do you have, Abby? What's the mailbag here today? Who are you most excited to see against Northwestern on offense and defense, and why? For me – Trey Palmer. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not say quarterback. Um, Trey Palmer, I just think he's poised to have a really big year um, and, and as a newcomer. And then on, on defense, for me, it's Garrett Nelson. I just want to see the gains he's made. And I, I think we saw them in the spring game. And, I mean, that's one that just excites me to see what he can do this year. Yeah, uh, Garrett Nelson, certainly. I want to see if it was he was that good or was Nebraska's line that bad. Uh so uh, that's something I want to watch. Offensively, yeah, Trey's certainly right up there towards the top. I'll say running back. I want to see what Anthony. Anthony Grant does in a real football game where there's actually tackling and he's allowed to uh, break a tackle and get yards after contact because I think that's a real part of his game that we just didn't get to see uh, in that spring game. And then defensively, you know, I'll go to the I'll go to the back end. I want to see. I'll just say pick a cornerback. How about Tommy Hill? I want to see what Tommy Hill's all about against a, a live opponent. Uh, you know, if because he got a lot of hype this spring, and I want to see how how real that hype actually is. All right, what do you have next, Abby? Who gets drafted first, Cam Taylor Britt, Cam Jurgens, or the field? Jurgens, Jurgens. I think Jurgens. You know, could be third round. Uh, I know. I've seen I think he's second. Second. Um, he's going to be the highest draft pick from Nebraska in a long time, and, and so will Cam Taylor Britt. Um, they have Gregory, right? Well, yeah, they haven't had a guy picked higher than the fifth round since Gregory Abdullah. Crazy. That's terrible. I mean, think about that. <laughs> like, we've gone two coaches since. And when was that, 14? It was Bo's last year, the 14 season, the 15 draft, and you had Gregory and Abdullah. Other than that, it's always been fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeesh. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's there's no doubt that he's a – day two pick it's just a matter of can he work his way into the second round and man just hearing some of the stuff that uh has been going around especially after that pro day where i mean he's being valued as one of the top centers in the draft like just right up there with tyler lindebaum from iowa and um, usually you see centers start to go um as early as the end of the first round and on into the second so i mean he's got a window there to uh potentially jump a lot higher than anybody would have thought not not bad for a former high school tight end all right what do you have next ab who is one player that transferred out from the Frost era that you wish would have stuck around, excluding Wondell Robinson? Oh, man. Could it, be quite the list. Mm-hmm. In a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, Noah Vedrill, like, yeah. he could have helped Nebraska the last couple of years mm-hmm. still. I mean, every season that Adrian Martinez got hurt. And the fact that they elevated Luke McCaffrey over him, we now know that was the wrong move. That was a mistake. Like, could Luke McCaffrey have taken Rutgers to a bowl game? Probably not. No. Now, Luke McCaffrey. <laughs> no, I, I, could, I could confidently say no. Now, Luke McCaffrey did beat Penn State, but that was kind of like a one out of 10 deal. It was. I mean, they, they, they should have lost that Penn State game. I mean, they got whipped up front. They did. Whipped. Luckily, Sean Clifford was especially bad in that game. Yeah, Clifford gave them the game. I mean, they should have had a punt blocked at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, like, they had like a, like, it was the Iowa game type deal where they were going to block the punt. 
for me defensively, and I'll, I'll steal this from you because you said Courtney Love, I think, could have helped Nebraska. Yeah. Was he Frost era, though? No. Uh, when Vince Merrill. Because the, because the follow-up to that was, and then like any other. Avery, Avery Roberts. Yeah. Roberts was right up there, well, too. The transfer portal didn't start until October 1st of 2018. Mm-hmm which Greg Bell was the first. But there were still transfers, oh, yeah. but they had to sit out. And yeah. Like there, you know, there was all that sort of stuff. The portal arrow didn't start, though, until Frost's first season, and Greg Bell was actually the first guy ever from Nebraska to go in the portal. That's right. Gosh, you wonder what he could have been, too, if he could ever figure it out. He had a good career at San Diego State, didn't he? And I think he wanted to maybe come back, and it just didn't work itself yeah. out. Uh, I'll throw J.D. Spielman out there. I mean, I know that he had his issues off the field, and there was some dynamics there that uh, were never going to work itself out. But just from a pure, pure football standpoint, he had a chance to go down as the greatest receiver in program history, to, statistically. Maurice Washington yeah, as well. That's another yeah. one. I'm talking about ceiling. That was never achieved. I mean, he. you think about just get bored one day at work and just Google his YouTube pay, mm-hmm. highlights from his freshman year, and you're like, wait a minute. He could, he could do things that a Nebraska running back hasn't done here in a long time. And his legs were just like little pieces of licorice mm-hmm. just whipping around. And I mean, he was, but he was freakishly athletic yeah. and fast. But all right, what's next, Abby? Robin, how do you feel about Nebraska's chances with Juwan Gary? Juwan Gary uh, just wrapped up his official visit on Tuesday, and all signs are looking very fav- favorable for Nebraska um, right now uh, as of Wednesday at 2 o'clock. I would say that it's a two-horse race between Nebraska and South Carolina, and uh, I'd probably put Nebraska as the front runner right now. Um, I imagine a decision is probably going to be coming pretty soon since he put on his Instagram that he needs a commitment video put together. Uh, so that's usually a good sign when you're tw- putting that out while you're on a visit to a school. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Obviously, transfer portal stuff, crazy things, you know, the bidding wars and all that stuff. But uh, right now, I think that Nebraska is in a very good spot to get a, a forward that can do a lot of different things for him. And we'll touch on that in the basketball segment. That leads in perfectly to my next question, which is who do you think will be Nebraska's next verbal commit? We could do basketball and football. Mm. Well, basketball is easy. I'll go Gary. Um, <laughs> football, you know, I, I think you got to look in-state. Brock Knutson makes a lot of sense from Scott's Bluff. I know he's going to probably take visits. I think we're in this weird period right now between April and June where, you know, there may not be as many commits as you think because – some of these kids are going to wait till some official visits and you know, that's what these kids want to do. And you can't get upset about that. I mean, they want yeah, to go on, wouldn't you? they want to take a few trips. Um, but I think Nebraska is in really good shape and, and Brian Munson will join me later in the show, but we, we talked about this. I mean, if they take 15 guys this year, 11 or 12 of them could be like within driving distance of campus. I mean, they, it's a really, really good year for local talent, not just in Nebraska, but Kansas and Missouri and other places. That 500 mile radius is uh, about to pay off. So it should pay off big this year. All right, Abby, I think we have time for two more. Do you think Chubba Purdy will get a chance to push for the starting job this fall once he's healthy, or is it Thompson's job to lose? Well, Chubba is healthy now, mm-hmm. um, so that's good. But I think Frost wants to push. I think he wants to make Thompson sweat it out a little bit. I, I think that's the one disappointment. They, they don't want to just hand him the job. Like it's his job right now. I mean, I think they want to make sure he truly earns that job. Yeah, I, I think that they need him to push Casey Thompson, but I still think that it's Thompson's job to lose at this point. And barring a crazy development this fall where Purdy makes a significant jump forward, I don't see him unseating him, at least for, for week zero in Dublin. All right, final question. Since the NF- NFL draft is coming up, who is your favorite Husker that made it to the NFL? My favorite Husker ever? No, that got yep. drafted. They got drafted or right, did or, really well in the NFL, yeah. Let's limit it to draft since we're talking about the draft. So yeah. your your favorite – so how about this? <laughs> Best NFL career by a former Husker, in your opinion. Like who, who did you enjoy following the most in the NFL that was a former Husker? Well, I mean, Indomitian Sue has to be – Sue's up there. Up oh, there yeah. for all of us. Um I mean, you almost took it for granted in the 90s with how many guys lasted for a lot of years. I mean, like you take like Jay Foreman, how you know how long he lasted, and you just kind of took that for granted. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, man, we can't even get guys on like practice squads. So yep. it really tells you the difference in talent Nebraska had 
when you like look at the Huskers in the NFL and, and how some of those guys have performed. Yeah, Levante David's up there for sure. I mean, he's a fan favorite. Selfishly, I'll say Prince Amukamara because he was a member of the 2011 New York Giants Super Bowl team, and so therefore he will always have a place in my NFL heart. How about you, Abby? Do you have a favorite Husker in the NFL? I was thinking Levante David. I think he's totally underrated, but totally awesome. <laughs> well, there's been some like random, like Roy Halu had kind of like a quiet good Rex Burkhead. I mean, yeah. like Rex and Amir still playing. I mean, you think about all those guys are essentially on one team together. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just shows you just kind of where this program has has kind of gone. I think there's, there, I think you, you wrote this on Monday. Like, there's no more stark indictment of where Nebraska football has fallen than the draft data, the draft data. It's, it's pretty startling. All right. Well, that wraps up the mailbag. When we come back, Brian Munson's going to talk recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker online show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker online show. Sean Callahan uh, talking recruiting here. Final segment of the show is, uh, we talk recruiting with Brian Munson. It's been a few uh, weeks since we've talked with Brian here on the show, uh, but we're back hot and heavy with recruiting. Um, the coaches are out on the road for the spring evaluation period. Uh, Nebraska's hosted a number of people on campus uh, for junior day events and obviously the uh, the red-white spring game. So I uh, thought it was a perfect time to bring in Brian Munson. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. Um, it's starting to get pretty busy out there. I tell you what, it's it's fun. It's fun again, and hopefully everybody else is kind of picking up on that uh, as well because we're we're enjoying covering it, and uh, it's exciting when we start seeing you know these guys out there working the trails like they are. Yeah, when you um, just look at kind of the numbers and what Nebraska's approach is and the local offers, I mean, what are I mean, what's kind of your big takeaway right now as you size up twenty twenty three and uh, where things are at with this class. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how the rest of this class kind of shapes up. I think that we're that we're feeling like <clears throat> Nebraska is making priority number one the in-state kids, keeping them home. They're, those kids are going to have to tell Nebraska no because Nebraska is going to stay after those guys. And, you know, they've got three of the seven guys uh, that they've offered in the class already. They're, they're in hot pursuit of the other four. Uh, I believe actually the only one that hasn't seen Nebraska yet this week is Brock Knutson and, and uh, Coach Root will be out there tomorrow uh, based on what Brock told me on Monday night. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things happening there. I, I think the other the other part here obviously is that you know we we ran three and out this morning and uh, we we mentioned Coach Bush uh, about what he's doing in Kansas City. Four guys that we know about you know uh, here in the last 24 hours or so that have gotten uh, the coaches to stop by their high school to check in on them. All huge targets, all guys that have visited Nebraska before, a couple of them multiple times. And, and Nebraska is just, and all four of those guys, in my opinion, probably in yours too, they're all take dudes. They are all take guys. And I think Nebraska has really, you know, kind of uh, helped out their, their cause with bringing in Hill during the spring game. Hill was a guy that we were catching up with on Friday night before the game even happened, it seemed like he might even pull the trigger on the commitment that weekend. So I think that they're doing a great job prioritizing what's going on with the the in-state guys, how they fit into the class, which should only be, you know, 15 or so type of players. So if you're talking about seven guys in-state, when they get all seven of them, you're only talking about eight more guys nationally, and they're still trickling 2023 offers out. We've seen offers as late as last night. Uh, to 2023 guys so I think that they're doing neighboring state after that then it's kind of footprint and then they're doing the cherry picking nationally like what they typically would do but you're getting a really different feel it's a lot more organized I'm sure Vince Ginta is behind some of that but a lot of this stuff is just elbow grease like what we talked about before you gotta you gotta go in there and work and uh, and make sure those guys feel the love and we're talking recruiting here with Brian Munson I think some people forget that you know, things have been shut down for really two full years. Um, Nebraska's coaches last year went out a couple of days on a bye week, and the coaches got fired over the second bye week. Um, they had January uh, to go out, which is big uh, to get a jump on things, but there there has not been a spring evaluation period the last two years. Um, so, you know, you, you couldn't go down to Kansas City, and you couldn't go to these places, uh, and they've done a pretty good job of kind of rebounding and getting back down there. Um, and you're right, Brian. I, I think when you look at the numbers, 
um, there's a pretty good chance if, let's say, the number's 15, and it might be more than that. It's hard to say. Um, but 15 is a conservative baseline number. Um, you know, a good chunk of those guys are probably going to be within driving distance from campus. I totally agree with that, too. I think that, I think, but that, that gets back to where, you know, how important it is to kind of target that group. And they, and they started kind of doing it last fall, but it was really unorganized. It was kind of more blanket bombing, bringing all those guys out there as opposed to getting, you know, more specific, being a little bit more uh, driven to bring in some guys that, that are, that are going to, that are going to go ahead and, and, and play more of a factor, be more offer guys as you get into December, January, February. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that this is going to be a class. So you're going to find out the majority uh, 70 plus percent of it is going to be driving radius guys. And then you're going to get your, your Georgia guys. I think to go in in there, obviously probably something we'll hit on here with the spring game visitors, probably a Florida guy or two and, and heck maybe even a defensive tackle from Texas. And Brian, this is something that we wrote about in three and out. I think people are like, man, seven in-state offers. Um, that's got to be the most in a long time. In fact, no, it's not. And they've, they've done seven each of the last three years. They've had 21 in-state offers. And obviously, um, they haven't gotten them all. I mean, they went five of seven two years ago, three of seven this past year. Right now, they've got three of seven in the boat with four live targets out there. Uh, you know, and Cade McIntyre could potentially be a guy that – could play up an offer. I think Kansas State's close on him. Um, and, you know, Tatum Tuyote was once probably going to come here, uh, move to Oregon. So it is really nuts when you look at just the last three years of in-state offers. I think it says a lot about the talent. And I think that also, you know, it's, it's one of those things, too, where Nebraska is going to have to understand how COVID has impacted the players of the state of Nebraska. Typically, Nebraska was a bit of a flyover state. There wasn't enough of, of a population there for, for schools like Washington, like you mentioned in your three and out portion. I'll bring in some other, you know, some other schools like Boston College, you know, that, that offered Ernest Hausman a year ago. Those guys aren't going to typically stop by Columbus, Nebraska to go check out a guy. They've, they've got guys out there, but now you've, you've changed the process. You've, you've changed the workflow. Now those guys have got huddle. They're a little bit more in tune with how to do things virtually to kind of get things kind of started. And, and maybe that's just to kind of put out the feelers. And then maybe there's kind of a verification phase that kind of goes, goes with it. But um, I, I think Nebraska is going to have to make an adjustment about, you know, where, where they're at currently with like the talent that's in the state, how that talent kind of fares and how it stacks up to other guys regionally and nationally and having to make those offers a little bit sooner maybe than what they've done before in the past. We're talking recruiting here with Brian Munson, and as of taping time, Dylan Riola has not announced yet to Ohio State, um, but it just feels like that's where it's heading. All the tea leaves have really read that way uh, the last few weeks. Um, even though he was here, I know Nebraska went out there. Uh, Mark Whipple was in uh, Chandler this last week. Um, what's your feel, what's your read on Dylan Riola? You know, one thing, Brian, that did jump out to me is I didn't see him do – even one interview with a local Nebraska writer after his trip to Lincoln. Well, and, and he had always been very, very good about getting back to me. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling that there's uh, some familiarity there uh, with my name, his dad, his dad and me are very similar aged and uh, he's played with a lot of guys that I know that went to Lincoln and we kind of did, I did some name dropping to get him comfortable with me a long time ago and while we struggled at one point to get his number from when he moved from Texas to Arizona, the minute we had the new number, I was able to get him on the phone. He's never been a challenge to ever get on the phone following a visit, moving to Arizona, et cetera. But this week, that last weekend for the spring game, everything was a challenge. Everything was a distraction. Hey, we're doing this. Hey, we're doing that. Hey, I'm already on my way back to Arizona. I'll call you when I get back. And then everything just went silent. And, um, it was pretty telling, I think, to me as I just kind of sat there and just reading those tea leaves right there based on how things had gone previously with him. It wasn't a very good sign for Nebraska. Uh, didn't know what, what forces were at play. Obviously, there had been some, some movement in predictions about where he was p potentially going, whether it was to Big 12 or to SEC or to Pac-12, excuse me. I meant that, but to say that before. But then, you know, you and I were talking uh, as late as last Tuesday you know, when we saw each other in person and uh, a Big Ten team started to emerge. And uh, we really knew that that was going to be trouble, you know, when it came to any possibility or hope that, that he was going to end up at Nebraska. Yeah, and Brian, uh, Nebraska's coaches are out on the road. This is their first full week out on the road. 
And the way the spring works, um, you have 10 coaches that can go out. You have 168 days you can use, which technically averages out to about 16.8 days per coach over six weeks. Now, we know like not every coach will be the same. Like Mark Whipple's not going to go out 16 days. Um, so you'll get most of the coaches out for about 20 days. Um, but it's going to be a long kind of slow crawl here. I mean, Nebraska really got going early. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I thought that, you know, um, they wanted to hit the ground running. I felt like, you know, there wasn't a lot they could do on that first day on Good Friday. There was no school. There were no track events. So you, you stay close to home. You you say, hey, I got one more weekend with the family, and then, you know, things are going to change for me going forward while I while I try to take care of things during the evaluation and do my job. So um, those guys are all out on the road. And I think that there there was an eagerness about it, um, clearly, the way that they hit the ground running early on Monday morning, the way that they have continued, you know, to midweek this week. Um, and, I, and I think that they're really trying – if 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 where I think Nebraska is at on their board and with their process, they're really trying to figure out, you know, which guys to bring in during that month of June – you you were a third of the way approximately through this class. You had I've had a number of guys that I have spoken with tell me they're coming back for an official visit. All guys, all takes. And I think that they've just got to sit back now and really feel think about what their board looks like, which positions are they really interested in kind of fill. I think then you try to you try to slot to your best of your ability some of the guys that are that are more local to regional that you think that you're going to get and then you start to really kind of then look at those guys that are more national and try to figure out how you're going to how you're going to make up the rest of your schedule and just start getting those schedules pulled together so i i think that that i think this evaluation process is going to is going to allow the the work behind the scenes to kind of come together with pulling together that schedule and that's going to be really 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 critical just because They've just got only two thirds of it left, and and they'll and they'll and when it comes to spots left in the class, so I think that that's the work that's happening right now. Well, it's gonna be really busy. Uh, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. Follow Brian Munson uh, as he'll keep you up to date, um, and we're doing our best to kind of do recaps and summaries of the day because it's a lot of news every day during the spring. And Brian does a great job of keeping up with that. Brian, uh, appreciate you taking some time. All right, see you, Ben. All right, well, that wraps it up here for. Uh, this week's Husker Online show. Make sure you check us out online. Uh, also check out our YouTube page or podcast channels. Uh, give us a like on YouTube. Um, appreciate it. Log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 